0: Tonight I'd like to share with you an episode of Pagan Parents on the Edge, one of the best pagan podcasts out there with my dear friends Fox and Arrowwind. They're talking about uh, Halloween or Samhain, and uh, I love this show. It's uh, a lot of ghost stories in it, and I think you'll enjoy it as much as I do. So without any further talking from me, I present to you, Fox and Erwin of Pagan Parents on the Edge.
1: Welcome. Welcome to Pagan Parents on the Edge. I'm your host, Fox Fire.
2: And I'm Erwin.
1: (laughs) Cue Thunder and Lightning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't mind us if we have a little bit of humor here at the beginning of the show. We just got the family Samhain Halloween decorations up on the porch and the house is all looking nice and
0: spooky
1: in that um, modern American kind of glitzy sort of weird way. Oh, as it turns out, this apparently is actually episode sixty. I didn't mean to fake everybody out last time, but uh, (laughs) had ourselves a little bit of confusion in the numbering process.
2: (laughs) I'm so excited that all the decorations are up. It just looks great.
1: Finally feels like that Halloween season now that the decorations are up and it's been kind of a hectic, stressful couple of weeks at the PPOTE household and I've actually noticed in a lot of friends and stuff too, there seems to be sort of a rather subdued energy moving about for some reason at this particular time of year this year. And I
2: know, and it's unusual.
1: It is. It's it's odd where Halloween actually falls where we live this year and i think it's kind of it's on a monday and the way our city goes about being political and odd about their rules as far as trick-or-treating goes and how the kids get to enjoy it it throws a wet blanket on things sometimes i think
2: it does but you have the whole weekend before and i still feel like for some reason it's just not catching everyone perhaps the way it has in the past i mean we've always it seems like almost every year we go to a halloween party Yep adult Halloween party with costumes. Right, right. (laughs) And that's always fun.
1: I hope that your Samhain and Halloween celebration is as much fun as you can possibly want to have. And it is just so this time of year our thoughts turn to those darker things as the uh, seasons spin around towards the dark time of year and we become more introspective. And of course one of the things that goes along with this time of year, we've kind of dodged this topic for a couple of years now, but I think I really want to talk about it tonight, is the whole idea of that other side of the veil and how it reaches to us and connects to us. And I think that this is something that's particularly especially important for us as pagans because we are so much more aware of these energies that move around in our lives than often I think many other people are. So our particular sensitivity to the ideas of such subjects as perhaps ghosts is different
2: I really like the idea of the veil between the worlds becoming thinner because I love Halloween and all my life, I just, that was my favorite holiday. And it was just because of the feeling I feel on that day. And it wasn't until I became a pagan and I first heard this idea that the veil between the worlds becomes thinner. It totally explains why you feel different because things are different and it's just an amazing thing.
1: (laughs) Samhain is to me just like this. It's a very physical marker that it's time to kind of like downshift. And I feel that energy around me saying to me, this is that time. It's time to get ready to do that we have talked in the past a little bit about our connection to Samhain and what I really like to do tonight is talk about ghost stories and keep the conversation around that whole connection to the veil thing so um I I feel like I'm doing all the talking honey
2: well, just
1: go right on. Okay, by golly. Let's start this off with my very first ghost story. This takes place in a foreign country. As some of our listeners might know, my father was military, so I did the military brat thing and moved around the world a lot. We were in this foreign country, and we were relatively new in a house that we had gotten off of. What
2: country of. was it?
1: It was Greece, as a matter of fact. I was five or six years old and we were relatively new in this house that we'd gotten off base, which was kind of a new experience for me, I think. Six I was having a lot of new experiences and stuff. And I remember very distinctly that the house was had a very kind of cool, almost antiseptic atmosphere to it. It's a classic kind of concrete block housing and you know, tile everywhere. So there was always a certain level of kind of Familiar uncomfortability to be in that house. You're always kind of afraid of falling down and bonking yourself on the tile and (laughs) the concrete and stuff. It
2: sounds cold to me.
1: But I have some very fond and wonderful memories of this house, too. We slept, me and my sisters slept in this room and in a set of bunk beds. And I remember one night, and we had a toy box shoved up against the wall on the other side of the room. And I remember one time waking up and watching this orange glowing ball rise up out of a ball in the toy box and start floating down the room along where the floorboard, where the, the floor and the wall meet at the floorboard. And, absolutely having just an astounding number of terrifying emotions and states run through me and it moved out of the room and into the hall and by that time I was screaming and my father came running in and I watched it move down the hall into the living room and disappear in the living room and nobody saw this but me so you can take that for whatever particular number of grains of salt you think is are necessary but my father was convinced and my father comes from a catholic background which if you're familiar enough with the ideals that the the catholic church espouses in their the way they interact with different parts of their religion one of the things that they is well known in the catholic church is the idea of exorcism I think of it in a different kind of way. But my father, I guess, in an effort to comfort me because I, I totally I like, identified the ball that the ghost had come from because I knew that this was a spirit and the term that I defined it as as a kid was ghost. And he took the ball and he did like this little homemade exorcism right there in front of me. And I never had a single experience like that again for a considerably long time in my life. And my father had done this little, I mean, I, I don't know if it was technical or something that he just made up on the spot that had the flavor and the energy from the church that he had spent so much time in. I think of it now today as like a banishment. And that in an effort to protect his son, the energy of it was so powerful that it kept me from having, or it blocked me having these kind of experiences for the rest of my life. And I mean, that's the first ghost story that I have that's a personal ghost story. I, I know a lot of other ghost stories. I mean, I'm sure we all Much do, but it had a huge impact on my life. The idea that I guess it might have been even one of my earliest thoughts of what is magic and how does that work. It was very powerful. I've examined over uh, many years of my life what did that whole incident kind of mean. And one of the things that I've really kind of spent a lot of time thinking about is what was that? What I mean, I knew it was a spirit, but what kind of spirit was that? You approach it through the connection that is already there with the idea of. Catholicism gives it sort of a bent if you follow most modern media that is particularly negative. And while I was terrified during the incident, I can't with any assurity say that that was a negative thing that happened. It was just, you know, my experiences on it. Right. And,
2: seeing something totally unexpected like that.
1: And, could, and, is and it was frightening. Yeah, and not just even the unexpectedness of it, it was it was the knowing. Of what it was. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind. What it was. There is still to this day no doubt in my mind what it was. It was some sort of spiritual entity for some reason, and I don't think it was even meant for my attention. It just happened to be passing through that space right there, and I saw it. So I wonder what that was, and where did it come from? Now, I, I don't necessarily anymore subscribe to the singular Christian ideal that it had to be some sort of negative entity and stuff, and have a much more broader base of what kind of spirit energies are out there. And think at this time of year, when I think about it, I think about that thinness of the veil. I don't actually remember as a kid when that happened, what time of year or anything like that, that that happened. But I wonder if it was in some way transmitted through some sort of thinness, some sort of you know, membrane from that other side. And I wonder, like I said, I wonder to this day, the ghost stories that I really am very turned on to by in like local lore and folklore and legend and stuff like that are these stories where there's there's very ambiguous emotional elements to them and my own ghost stories have those to it. I guess because I just don't really know how to connect to that energy from that other side, even though I'm aware of it.
2: Well, I'm kind of like you in that aspect because I can't say that I've ever really had a definitive ghost experience where I saw a physical expression of a spirit but I've had friends who've talked about it and I've had feelings about places and things i mean walking into a cemetery has a certain kind of feeling to me that i don't feel when i'm in another
1: place oh certainly we live near yorktown virginia and the yorktown battlefields are rife with stories of ghost soldiers and while i've never actually seen a ghost soldier you can feel it in the air
2: Mm -hmm. and it's really i find it's hard to talk about because it's such a subtle difference to explain how you feel and, and and the differences on that really subtle level. Right. Well, the ghost story that I know of was a friend of mine who lived in this house in Colonial Williamsburg. It actually, the house he lived in wasn't in Colonial Williamsburg area. I mean, there's a certain area that where they do the reenactments and they have the old buildings and everything. And he lived in a house in the town of Williamsburg that was separate from that area.
1: Still an old area though. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm sure his house was old and he told me about one night he was laying in bed and woke up and he saw the figure of a man that looked like dressed in disheveled type of clothes and everything just kind of like walking through his door and who kind of just stood there for a minute and nothing really happened but of course for him the experience was terrifying just to see something like that and actually now that I think about it when he was telling me about the he was saying that he would often hear a rapping noise. And I did hear the rapping noise one time when I was at his house. wow. And it turns out the house that he lived in was on a direct line walking from where the old jail was to where the gallows was. Oh wow. In Colonial Williamsburg and, and somehow he had figured this out by just researching or, or knowing the area and realized that the spirit he was witnessing probably was someone who had been a prisoner that was hanged and that was the path he had to walk to get to the gallows when he died. Wow. And he said he saw him two different times and I don't remember if he ever tried to talk to him or anything but he never had any kind of a encounter, like any kind of physical encounter. It was just seeing the spirit in his house. And it was really scary to hear him talking about it and be sitting there in the house and to realize, you know, what that area was. To realize that, I mean, I feel like America is not that old of a country. Right. But where like Colonial Williamsburg is one of the older places in America where you have that history and there are a lot of things that have happened from the beginning of our country.
1: I wonder sometimes about that kind of spectral experience I've in the past followed a number of podcasts and listened to a number of different lectures and was kind of tapping into the the whole paranormal supernatural kind of thing for a little bit I've moved away from it some but I I remember them talking about a couple of different types of hauntings where one is like just an energetic recording that replays itself over and over again and another is like a spirit energy that is trapped in a certain kind of almost temporal loop where they can't get out of it and I, I wonder when I hear those kind of ghost stories because I just wonder about the direct interplay of like personalities in these kind of experiences, both the manifest physical personality and this ethereal personality that's coming through, and just what kind of emotional interaction does that trigger when you have somebody who's scared or interested interacting with a recording versus something that actually potentially could interact back and forth with that emotional state. So I always Mm -hmm. kind of wonder about that when I hear those ghost stories.
2: Yeah, to think of it as just like an energy pattern that's going over and over or an actual spirit that has a cognizance of some sight some
1: kind. I know a lot of local ghost stories and I suppose we could probably get into those and everything but I really wanted to keep this more personal and experiential like I said we live near Civil War battlefields parts of within a 10 minute drive where we live are some of the oldest places that were inhabited by western Europeans in this country but so much of that stuff is like okay, you get a number of like really good ghost stories and you gotta take like some of them with a grain of the salt because they're like folklore tales more so than they are ghost stories around here our house is Old House Next year, on paper, our house will be 100 years old. According to the paperwork, it was registered here in 1912, but I found out from somebody that knows local lore that the original part of the house was brought here on a big wagon with a mule train, and somehow they moved it onto its foundation. Our house is kind of like a hodgepodge of a bunch of different things built onto an original building. So, I wonder exactly how old our house is, but on paper, our house is 100 years old. Now, granted especially we've got listeners like in europe and in foreign countries that have much longer histories than white folk in the new world basically (laughs) but i still think that given the time frame and the experiences of the area there is a lot of energy here why did i bring that all up because i i want to talk about the idea that there is some energy has been some energy in our own home when we first moved in here when we bought the house, and I guess she, she the, the woman that owned it before us had a long and happy life, and they raised a family in this house, and her son, who lived out of the state, was, uh, was the executor of the property, and they had just put the gal in a nursing home, for lack of better words, I guess, and she, we found out later that she had actually died while we were signing the paperwork in the four hour long legal process that we sat with the realtor and the mortgage company and all that stuff. But we found out, I found out later that she'd actually died during that time. When we moved in and we didn't, I I, I didn't really know this at the time. And there is some speculation about it. When we moved in, we didn't realize how the house was arranged as far as living was, but we put our son in the smallest bedroom in the house. He was was one years old he lived in a crib (laughs) how much how much room did he need well i found out later that pretty much at the end of her life she had lived in that room because of her disabilities and
2: it was the warmest room in the house too i mean we have radiator system and we had oil heat at the time and just the way old houses work yeah it was it was really warm in there and it's a a small I, i think she must have used it as a sitting room that's I don't what I think, I think that too. Was the bedroom.
1: Yeah, that's 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 what I suspect too. We put Thunderwolf into that room, and while we never had a significantly like documentable encounter in that room, the oddest shit constantly happened in there. We had a uh, uh, Thunderwolf had this little toy that was like this odd little stuffed animal about the size of a softball that had this electric it was like voice, like
2: a little dog or something, yeah. but it's shaped like a ball.
1: Yeah, and it had this little electric voice box where it would say
2: wee you tossed Yay, it around. Yeah. yeah, you have to move it to make it talk.
1: And it would be buried in the toy box. And if for no reasons whatsoever, you'd be walking past the bedroom in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning, and that thing had, was covered in dust and buried in the bottom of a toy box and hadn't moved in months. Would just all of a sudden go, "wee" Or, Yay! <laughs> and I always wondered why it would do that and in the past electronic things have happened very oddly I mean, in that room kind
2: of made me think of chucky a little bit oh man let us
1: <laughs> let us not go there
2: well that was more than 10 years ago it's okay <laughs> to talk about it now
1: i think so and and there is a reason why i think that also as well and that little round stuffed animal that made wee and yay noises it was the main one, but every once in a while, some other little electronic toy in there would make some odd and unexpected noise in a weird time. But the really strangest thing is that every once in a while, while he was sleeping in there in his crib, you would we have this old antique rocking chair that is up there in his bedroom. You can see where this is going. But every once in a while, when he'd be sleeping in his crib and everything was peaceful and quiet, you would walk in there and the chair would be just moving very slightly. Or you would have the very distinct impression that the chair had just stopped rocking. Yeah, and it, I saw
2: the chair rocking.
1: Yeah, and it was yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I saw it moving too. I saw it rocking too. And it is an odd house full of weird shapes and odd floors and yeah, it's strange. not exactly
2: level anymore. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I always got the impression that it was the old lady who had come back to this place that she had been very comfortable and apparently she lived, even that they had to move her someplace else, she mm-hmm. still lived a fairly comfortable life here and that she was in there looking after Thunderwolf. When Thunderwolf got bigger, the influence definitely changed and got, I won't to say weaker, but less immediate maybe might be the best way to describe it. And eventually we moved Thunderwolf out of that room and gave him the a larger bedroom when featherwind was born and we put featherwind in that room and that transitional phase seemed to stop it there didn't wow we don't usually do this kind of thing but we just had to pause the recording for the show while Errowind told me something that relates to this that i didn't know
2: Well, in your telling of the story, you were saying that the change in that energy happened because of Featherwind coming along and us moving the rooms around. But actually, at some point, it was before Featherwind was born, actually, that my brother came to visit. And at that time, I'm pretty sure that Caveldrada and Oni, Caveldrada, who does the pagan spirituality today podcast who's a good friend of ours was visiting as well because he also knows my brother who, who's been on their show too and they like to do this kind of thing connecting with the spirits and everything and and one night and i don't know why you weren't there but my oh, brother dozens
1: of reasons during did, that time.
2: he he did this spiritual connection thing and connected with the old lady who used to live here and the whole purpose of that whole thing was to kind of help the spirit to move on to a better place.
1: Right, you were telling me that Caveldred and Oni, that's one of their tenets in, of interaction for well, this? Well, yeah, or I mean,
2: they're, they're mediums. I mean, they... They do that kind of stuff all the time, a lot more than I've ever done. But I've seen them do it. And to see my brother do it too was kind of amazing. I don't think I had told him about the old lady, but he sensed the presence of that spirit and connected with that spirit and pretty much kind of said to her, it's time to move on now. Kind of helped her not to be so attached to this place anymore. And I really did notice that we didn't have that experience anymore. I remember before that happened, you would smell perfume
1: oh man i do i house? forgot about that i remembered the perfume i remember the perfume thing now we don't really i don't really have that experience anymore
2: Mm-mm.
1: i totally forgot about the perfume thing
2: yeah and again i'm sorry that i didn't tell you about that or that you weren't there wow. to experience it
1: that's very cool i'd like to take a very quick moment to just we are stirring old ghosts as it were and i just want to say thank you to the old lady this house has been a very wonderful home for us and i I do i hope she is comfortable and has found what answers that she wanted and needed at that stage in her life and just to thank her for giving for creating the time and opportunity and space and to, to, for us to have this home, I, I want mm-hmm. to know that uh, we always have thought very positively and warmly about her, and yes. for that, yes, we have. Oh, I'm about to I cry. Think... Holy crap! I, I'm <laughs> glad you
2: said that. I'm glad you said that because I feel the same way.
1: Okay, well,
2: and I and I kind of think that the idea of ghosts is so scary. I mean, it's it's Halloween; it's scary and ghosts and, and all this stuff. And when you see a, a rocking chair rocking by itself. The immediate response is this fear of the unknown. But I never felt a negative energy from no, no, I that never, spirit at all.
1: I was all, And see, this is the difference. Once again, I was talking about how the emotional interaction of the person on the manifest plane with this energy from this other ethereal, other side of the veil frame, the difference between a recording and something that you could feedback with. Now, I don't ever really ever remember having any kind of a feedback kind of interaction no. with this entity. But the energy did not feel like a recording. I always strongly felt that she was there because it was a comfortable place for her. She liked being there, and it had the extra benefit of having this, and I'm not trying to be too immodest here, but this beautiful, wonderful little child there. And I think she was there to help look after him for a little bit. So it didn't feel like a recording. It felt like an actual thing, that, but I just wasn't interacting with it on that level. Mm-hmm. I have a weird policy about energy from that side of the question mark. And I find it very, very fascinating. I tend to keep it at a general... Are you
2: telling us your weird policy?
1: Well, I have a dozen weird policies. It could be any one of them. But the (laughs) idea is, is I generally don't try to feed any energy to that energy. I... Keep it at arm's length, note it, respect it, but not try to like you know, do anything that would upset the balance, per se. Okay. And that actually goes to reach to the second house ghost story that I want to tell, which in itself, again, is not a ghost story, per se. Like I said, our house is 100 years old. There's a back room that could have been i forget what they called the little lean-to rooms on the back of the shanty houses but it's kind of like that it was it possibly at one time an outdoor kitchen that was separated from the house and the house was be- eventually built to be attached to it it has a deep concrete cellar in it yeah that was, we
2: call it the cellar
1: well it is a cellar it's it's the coal cellar there is in, in the side mm-hmm. of the foundation an old sealed coal chute from where they would Shovel the coal down to the cellar and use the coal to fire the boiler. Oh well, after that, I suppose some sometime that got replaced and paneled up. but the boiler for the radiator heat system that we have in our house was extremely old it was it was a huge big cast iron antique oh it made all kinds of great noises when it would fire up you'd hear it across the house it It did it was it was an awesome i knew that it was gonna
2: get warm as soon as i heard that sound i was like yes (laughs) here comes the heat i'd sit i still do sit on the radiators because i just love it
1: i never felt this energy anywhere else in the house maybe briefly some in we have a very nice shed out back that was built by the old man and I one time felt kind of this sensation out there but it was so nebulous that I only mentioned in passing but in the cellar I always had this feeling that there was this kind of curmudgeonly cantankerous old man down there looking after the systems our electrical wiring system is ball and tube it's almost 100 years old it's it yeah we
2: still have the screw yeah, in fuses it's, we don't
1: yeah, it's got the, it's it, it is an old electrical system. The plumbing was a very, very old plumbing system in this house. And I always got the distinct impression that that guy didn't want anything to do with me or anything else. He was just down there to make sure the shit ran right. And that was his job. And I can imagine that when these technologies were very young in these houses, because this house at one time did not have indoor plumbing, did not have that kind of heat, did not have electricity and these things were added to the house as the years as years rolled on so they were kind of they're kind of all patched together in sort of a weird way and that kind of thing usually requires somebody to sort of keep an eye on it and make sure it's going good and i think that that was the old man's gig that like, he might have been kind of curmudgeonly about it, but, you know, inside he was man pride <laughs> for taking care of the, you know, the stuff. But I had always had this distinct impression, but nothing ethereal. No movements and odd things like that. A couple times the the boiler worked when I was having problems with it. It would fire up like, oh, I didn't expect that. But, I mean, nothing mm-hmm. that you would really connect it to.
2: So I remember w- other smells that I associated with Old Man. It wasn't the same perfume smell, but there was more like an aftershave kind of a smell or something else that made me think the old man. Right versus the old woman.
1: Yeah. But I never I never felt this energy outside of the cellar. The cellar is where all those systems connect at. And I kept it kinda of to myself. We I, I think we batted it back and forth a few times. Just well I very was afraid lightly. to
2: talk to you about it because you say you have this weird policy. I always always under the impression that you didn't want to talk about it. You no, know, anything that involved
1: well, a I didn't,
2: spirit you weren't going to talk about I, it so I, I didn't say much <laughs> I
1: did not I did not want to talk about it in the house but I think time has passed now so I think it's a good time to bring this up now
2: uh-huh.
1: so anyways you know, I think we lighted lightly batted it back and forth a couple times but it was really kind of you know an issue that yeah we didn't even really talk about it that much ourselves and I certainly didn't talk about it to anybody else because it really was nothing more than a feeling really and then we had a friend of ours come to the house one time who was a psychic and just like I can't even remember it's like in the middle of this weird conversation about something else entirely she goes oh yeah and you know about the old man down in the cellar right and I was just like what (laughs) she's like yeah yeah the old guy that's down in the cellar taking care of stuff I'm like holy crap did I tell you about this and she's like tell me about what and she had just, from her psychic connection, had connected to this old man. Well, as it has come down the line over the last decade plus that we've lived here now, the cast iron antique boiler, the boiler, the interior boiler cracked and it couldn't be fixed. And we had to take the thing out. And we replaced it with, since it is the turn of the century, basically, we pr- replaced it with a much more reliable, modern, much more efficient gas boiler. So we removed one of these antique systems from the program. And when that happened, once again, now I don't know about no banishments or anything no, like I that. Don't know. But once again, when that happened, I distinctly had this realization that the influence was not there as much. Then later we had the plumbing in the house all replaced. Well actually we replaced the gas water heater, which that was an antique too. It wasn't quite as old mm-hmm. as the boiler. But we replaced And we
2: replaced the gas stove. I just now thought of that. Yeah. I well, mean, it, I don't know how was, much he would have been connected to that. It wasn't a gas that.
1: stove. We have a connection for it, but we don't have oh. a gas stove. We replaced the we replaced the old, really cool nice stove. antique electric stove that we had. And then we replaced the plumbing in the house which was another one of these major systems and after the plumbing went right yeah the energy I think was gone after
2: the plumbing yeah it's not yeah
1: there. the energy was gone and i think that as we slowly replaced these systems that i was responsible for that he wasn't responsible for that anymore and i think maybe it kind of helped him let go to move on and when there was really nothing left we still got the electrical system but you know remember we had all those weird problems with the electrical system like whole banks of lights in the house wouldn't work for months at a time and then all of a sudden it we haven't had any of those problems and just about the same time that that happened just about the same time that it happened i started coming to the realization that the old man's energy didn't seem to be there anymore
2: that's so weird because i know our hall light didn't work
1: For like a year.
2: I mean, it did not work. And then just all of a sudden it started working again. Yeah. The
1: light in the cellar didn't work for almost a year and a half. The light on the front, the two lights on the front porch didn't work for almost two years. But just about the time that we replaced the plumbing and I really started thinking to myself that, you know, I think that energy might be gone or is just relaxed so much now that it's just not even manifesting anymore that's when the light thing totally straightened up and the lights all started working the ceiling fan wasn't working right for a long time and that started working yeah. again i think that as i went about replacing those antique major systems in the house that i think that the old man took a certain kind of responsibility and pride for it sort of freed his spirit up to relax and and move on i'm getting mm-hmm. all choked up about these things for some reason <laughs> what the hell oh
2: Goodness gracious. Well,
1: I mean, it's life and death. It's, it is. it's and, serious. And, well, and once again, just like with the old woman, I I feel this humongous sense of gratitude towards that energy. Right,
2: and respect.
1: And respect. Hell yeah. I mean, this guy kept the mechanical systems of this house going for, I'm sure, well Bo although I think they built things a little differently and honestly better in some ways back in them times. But the hand, he kept these systems alive because our house... We have this very kind of animistic relationship with our house that our house is alive and looking after us and loves us being here and stuff. But as he felt my responsibility taking over for those new things, I think if I had tried to subsume the responsibility for the old things and try to kick him out of it, that would have been a fight and might have caused some negative energy Mm -hmm. to go on, you know, once again, my hands off policy at the time, the way it was, right. but I think as I brought these new systems in that were new and mine, they were my responsibility, and he either knew it or was, like, glad to say, you know, I don't want to mess with this anymore, it's yours, you did it, it's all on you. hmm all these weird things go through your mind when you think about <laughs> our, your interactions with these kind of energies. And once again, nothing so solid as even the experience with the old lady. But it never felt like a recording. It always felt like that it was an active, ongoing Yeah, it wasn't thing. a
2: repetitive type of a thing. It was more of just an awareness, an idea. Right. Not, not even seeing something happening. Right. Yeah, we pla- we replaced the fan too that was out there.
1: Yep, that, and I'm uh, sure that
2: was his 40
1: year old Sears fan that you yeah. can't hardly re- you can't get anymore.
2: Uh huh. Well, I think it's interesting that you point out that our experience of the old man wasn't really an overt physical anything. It was more like an idea and an awareness. And same thing with the old woman even though we did see the rocking chair, but I just feel like in our culture the idea of ghosts is presented in the media as this scary thing and you have movies where they show what the ghost looks like and and all this stuff. So I think people might have a preconceived notion of what having a ghost encounter is all about, whereas we've described our experience was more just having a feeling and awareness of the energies of the place and that kind of thing. So I wanted to talk about an experience I had, again, this was with Kaveldrida and Oni several, several years ago before we met.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's several, several, (laughs) several, several years ago Before we met for the
2: first time. (laughs) Oh, Wow. And they had their own coven and they invited me to participate in their Samhain ritual. And it was great. It was a really good ritual. And part of the ritual was... For them, like I mentioned earlier, they're mediums that they invited all the spirits that were around (laughs) to come because Samhain is about honoring the ancestors, honoring the spirits and everything. And their task in doing this was to help any spirits who were trapped in this plane to be able to move on to the next level and to let go of whatever's keeping them here where they're haunting something. And this was really my first experience of mediumship. And to to witness what that's all about and to see it happening. Because before that, my main experience was watching movies and everything. And you you don't believe what they're doing because it's a movie. You know what I'm saying? But to see it happening in real life. I'll just talk about two of the examples. Although I think that they channeled more than just two different spirits in the course of the evening. Kveljeda ended up channeling this guy who was an old african-american guy who was very religious christian religious and i forget why he was trapped but it was interesting because Cavaldra does a white guy <laughs> and to see how he changed in talking to really realize that it was a completely different personality that was coming out in this story that he had never thought of of the life of this african-american man and and him being trapped here and it had to do with some kind of religious thing and he was quoting stuff from the bible and stuff through channeling the spirit so that was the first example i mean there's not i can't remember all the details of of why that was interesting it just stuck out in my mind that the personality was so different from what Caveldrada's personality is that it was real to me right. you know i believed it and again like i said their task was to help that spirit to move on which he did then oni channeled a spirit who, it was kind of like, I guess as mediums, they talk about how spirits kind of follow them around because they realize this person can connect with them. And somehow she connected with this woman who had died by her house being burnt and her children were in the house with her. And it, I mean, it's like, who would just come out with a story like that? I mean, I know only I know she wouldn't make this up because it's too horrific to think about, but this is... What came through when she made that connection to spirit, and to hear her talking about the experience of this woman dying in a fire, and she really got too caught up in it. I felt bad for knee because I kind of could see that she was letting this spirit take over because it was such a horrific death. I remember in in that situation I called out to her and I was like wait a minute you need to remember who you are that you're not that spirit that you're Oni and kind of like helped her break that connection a little bit so that she could separate and let that spirit go and kind of let that spirit pass on to a different experience because it seemed like they were trapped in this horrific very emotional death and unfortunately things happen and that happens to people and I can understand how a spirit would be locked in that pattern you know what I'm that we've been talking about you know like a repetitive pattern where that's the last thing the spirit was trying to do something not even when they died that's uh, trying to you know get out trying to do something save her kids or whatever and that energy of trying to do something was so strong it kept the spirit from being able to really Be released and pass on to another level and let go of this physical. Right. We're not
1: talking about a recording. We're talking about an actual
2: spirit that's trapped in a situation. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. That's why I was talking about the whole kind of time loop thing. It,
2: it the situation ended up resolving. I mean, and it was just within this Samhain ritual that we're doing and, and Oni was able to let go and to send that spirit on and to try to give some peace to a spirit that just was trapped. And I really feel like there's so much that we don't know as physical human beings about the spirit world and what's a soul what's a spirit and how much of a soul would be trapped that way or, or something like that but I really respect that they do that to think that there might be spirits out there that are trapped and suffering that way and to reach out to them and to help them to just release that energy I think is a really good thing and sounds the perfect time to do that kind of work
1: I think so too because I do believe in the thinning of the veil at this time of year not from a technical meta- Spiritual, educational viewpoint, but honestly, this one comes straight from my intuitiveness, from the intuitive way that I practice what I practice, from the feelings that I get from the energy at this time of year. It is much, it's beyond what the educational aspect of it is to something that's a whole different level. And and when you were talking about the subtleties and trying to figure out how to describe the subtleties of these experiences, I think that's part of what it speaks to it because it's not scientifically quantifiable. Perhaps in some ways it is. Yeah. If you you watch
2: ghost stories, they're trying to, but... but
1: I don't think that information is sometimes as important important as the emotional, the intuitive, the the feelings of the situation, I think are almost more significant than any kind of the technical part of it
2: right yeah I mean when you try to listen to the recordings that they make of ghosts on those tv shows it just doesn't make any sense at all but I think a person just sitting there and opening themselves to the energies of a place could get some kind of a knowledge of what kinds of things might have happened right and and if there were any residual energies well
1: I certainly think that the interaction between our manifest physical plane and whatever that is that's on the other side of the veil while i don't discount the technological aspect of what is quite popular now in the new sort of paranormal investigative world i think probably that energy interacts easier with that energy that makes us beings than it does with that technical energy.
2: I agree. Because if we're talking about spirits. We all have a spirit. And even just interacting with another human being. I know that we have a spiritual connection. Right. And I can sense that. So being able to sense that with us being that's it's not physical. Certainly. I can understand that. I mean, I it makes you, perfect sense to me.
1: Well, you take like a camcorder or something like that that's wandering down some dark infrared lit hallway trying to see if it could pick up something and does actually connect with something, does actually pick up some nebulous, ambiguous, or even, you know, I've seen some stuff. Sometimes it was a little weird. But that camera, unlike your eyes and your the whatever energy reception your body has does not get that energy reception mm-hmm. that your body also picks up just from the few little experiences that i've had interacting with whatever that might be on the other side of the veil do you like the way i keep qualifying that every time i say it (laughs) um interacting with that energy is i mean i've seen some videos of stuff that's like really seriously i wonder is that real and i have an energetic reaction to it but boy even my little paltry spiritual things (laughs) that that feeling is nothing like the feeling you get when you see something
2: yes and i have a complete story to go along with that too i was taking an anatomy class a college level anatomy class and we got around to the and i can't remember the name of it the system of your skin okay and so i'm learning all about the skin and and the different levels of the skin and actually your skin has these little teeny tiny muscles in your skin and the purpose of those muscles is to raise the hair on your skin up and the professor i had at the time was like these muscles have no purpose whatsoever. They're totally pointless. They're just leftover stuff from evolution or whatever. And you don't need to, th- th- there's nothing to do, you know, nothing to think about with these little muscles. And, and I'm like, that's what gives you goosebumps. That is a total sensory part of your body. And when you're feeling these different energies, those muscles are <laughs> sensitive to it in your skin and they have a reaction. The hair on the back of your neck, gets a little tingle in it right no i mean it is your physical body is sensitive on levels that scientific study hasn't really tapped into yet
1: well i mean just i don't (laughs) think that they can i don't think that they can i don't think you can pick that up with a camcorder
2: right but you can pick it up with those little muscles in your skin (laughs) (laughs) and now it's time for what does fox do
1: tonight i'd like to talk about something that has kind of come to my attention a lot recently i am teaching a lecture on mythology and its effects on civilization at the co-op that we are members of as part of our homeschooling experience and in the process of doing the research for all the information I have it has been brought back home to me the fact that I don't really think of myself as like a very intelligent kind of person in the fact that I hold a lot of knowledge I know a lot of things I mean there's no doubt about that I'm you know I, you can't get this age without knowing a few things but the thing about it is <laughs> is I I don't keep a lot of certain kinds of specific knowledge on the top of my head, and even when I try to, I don't necessarily do a very good job of
2: it. Except for Star Trek.
1: Yeah, the, the tr- <laughs> if if I could have filled the file that's filled with Star Trek information with nuclear physics instead, I, you know, I'd I'd be the bomb in the nuclear physics in, in, industry. But but the thing about it is. is This reaches very heavily into my own meta-spiritual and metaphysical practices. People ask me sometimes, you know, what kind of magic do you do, Fox? Or how do you do magic? And, oh, would you like to throw together a circle? Or do you want to throw together a spell or something? And I can do it on the fly if I am really putting some energy into it. But if I really want to do something fairly serious or if I really want to get like some really solid information behind some spiritual or philosophical concept that I'm working through at any particular moment, I go to my books. I often refer to myself as a research sorcerer because pretty much anything that I do that is highly, that, well, not even highly technical. Sometimes it's just, just simply technical. I almost always go to a book or go to a series of books. I have a whole catalog of, in the library of stuff. And while I'm not very good at keeping certain types of specific information in my head, because I've always been a book reader my entire life and books have formed a lot of how I view the world, I thought about being a librarian at one time, I'm very good at keeping tabs of where to find information at. Oh, I want to know some stuff about the variety of mystic symbols and seals. I've got a copy of some Mather stuff and I know exactly which pages to go in there I want to look up some ancient witchcraft Italian witchcraft practices or Maybe stuff with uh, Black Mass and the early dark sabbats of the occult. I've got a book and I know which pages to go right to for that. And I've got a variety of different books that I do that with. And even stuff sometimes as simple as quarter calls. Because I have my own specific methodology for doing my quarter calls, which is generally unique. If I want to build up a ritual that involves stuff that I want other people to to be connected with more from their viewpoint of the practice of their metaphysical experience. I will go to a book to research things as simple as correspondences for any variety of different things. I've got my 777 somewhere and if I really want to get freaking technical and bore my brain half loose for a couple of days, I'll break that out to get like hours and the planetary movements and stuff. But like I said, I just don't keep that kind of specific information in my brain very, very well for some reason. It's been sort of that way my whole life, but I found myself a very good niche to work with how I deal with it. That thing and it's by being able to go to my books or find my information through research, and that is just one of the things that Fox does. I gotta make it nice and pretty because now we have Erwin's as of yet unnamed segment.
2: For my segment today. I'm going to read again, but this time it's from The Crone's Book of Words by Valerie Worth. And I really like this book because it's very poetic and it has a lot of spells in it that, to me, are poetic. And putting a spell and the words of the spell into a poem or using rhyming makes it a little bit magical and makes it more powerful and i'm going to read the spell for to free a house from haunting and i really like this because it kind of talks about something that we've done on Sáwan, which is the dumb supper oh yes so here it goes to free a house from haunting the presence that stands upon the stairs the unseen hands that move the chairs the lights that play across the wall, The stains that stay, the plates that fall, The mist, the chill, the wandering scents, This gentle spell must speed them hence. At midnight set a table neat, With cup and plate and wine and meat, Invite the ghost to sit and feast, As any host should urge a guest, Presently clear the meal away, then open the door and softly say, Quick or dead, thou art fed, cease to grieve and take thy leave. Bid him depart, but should he remain, be calm, take heart, and feast him again.
1: I got chills. That was wonderful. (laughs)
2: And now it's time for Podcasts of the Week, and we have an extra special one this week, don't we, Vox?
1: Well, yes, I think all my Podcasts of the Week are special, but this one does mean something a little extra to me and us. This week on Podcasts of the Week, I want to talk for a few minutes about a podcast, and I, it, it, while it is a podcast, I think it's almost as much more a radio show than anything else, and that is The Shaman's Brew with its host, Marcus Leader, And it has just so happened that over the course of the years that we've been doing PPOTE that I've struck up kind of an internet friendship with Marcus and have enjoyed a number of the words and comments that he's passed on to us and have enjoyed occasionally tapping onto his show. I, I, I don't get to it as often as I would like have done in the past because for some reason I have some problems with my technical ability to get it and it's awkward. But bless Marcus's heart. One of the things that he's done recently is he has been rebroadcasting episodes of Pagan Parents on the Edge on his show. He has such a wonderful, and I thank you, Marcus, so much for this belief in our show and what we are saying that he wants to help it get out to other people who might not otherwise be exposed to it. His show is great. It's full of all kinds of fantastic information and stories, but what I really want to bring up is that right now at the end of the year, by rebroadcasting our show, Marcus is filling some time as he prepares to launch Shaman's Brew into an entirely new direction. Marcus was an, I don't know, apprentice? Alkalite? The right word? I'm not sure what the correct term was, but he was a student of Castaneda. And his show is getting ready to go into a new direction oriented around the teachings that he got from Castaneda. And I guarantee you this much. It's now on a set schedule and is definitely something that I will be tapping into to share in marcus's knowledge and interpretation of this person that in part of my metaphysical studies has in a number of instances has meant very important things to some of the things that i think and marcus i want to thank you so much for putting your show out and being so supportive of us and giving this thing to the pagan community and to the broad meta-spiritual community at large and everything and i highly highly super recommend that you check out the shaman's brew and catch a few episodes of us. Well, you catch some episodes <laughs> of us right now but and some other stuff. But I just
2: wanted to chime in that I'm a big fan of Carlos Castaneda. And I can't wait to hear what Marcus has to say when he, he starts the new show. And again, I just want to say thank you to Marcus for broadcasting our show too. And uh, making that connection with us.
1: So do yourself a favor. Check out The Shaman's Brew. Love you, Marcus.
2: Love you, Marcus. And if any of you out there have any special ghost stories that you want to share, you can reach us at paganparentsote at aol.com.
1: You can also much more likely get in contact with me at paganparentso at gmail.com Or on Facebook. Yes, indeed. Friend us up on Facebook. We'll love seeing that going. The weird way that I have the Facebook page set up because honestly, and I think we talked about this a little bit a couple of shows ago, we do, do try to keep a little bit of anonymity going on here. Primarily to kind of protect our children more than anything else. But the way I've got the Facebook page set up is like, I can't actually friend anybody with the Pagan Parents on the Edge Facebook page. So I can like things. So unless your site has an option that I can like it, you've got to friend the Facebook page, or I can't interact with you through the PPOTE page. So please like us on PPOTE Facebook and join that little community that bats information back and forth occasionally. You might learn a few trivial bits and (laughs) odd information as I pass through there.
2: And of course, we're on iTunes.
1: Yes, indeed. And... If you get us on iTunes, there must be quite a number of people getting us on iTunes. I've seen the stats on our Podbean site. That's one of the largest cod catchers that we're reached through. If you get us from iTunes, take a minute if you don't mind and drop us a review. Make it a good one and we will very much thank you for it. In the background floating somewhere in the electronic universe is MySpace and Podcast Pickle. Still, I do believe.
2: And And Podbean. And is Podbean. our main hoster, so we're definitely on Podbean.
1: <laughs> and you can you can drop messages to us at Podbean and comment to the site. And if you drop messages to us on Podbean, one of the things I feel like I gotta explain is I have we have a lot of struggles with Podbean, and one of the struggles that I have is dealing with their email message exchange system. So I, I have trouble getting back to people on that. Another thing that I would like to mention very quickly, and because we've I've totally forgotten to mention it the last couple of shows, but we are proud members of the proud pagan podcasters which is an excellent resource for finding pagan podcasts and then catching some of the conversations that go on about them i'd like to thank lamika right here on the air for doing such a wonderful job helping get that whole thing together i know there are more people involved in it and i wish i could remember their names but unfortunately i can't right at the moment that's what just comes from having no notes (laughs) notes
2: <laughs> we're still appreciative thank you amika
1: i would like to before we go tonight do a special dedication for this show at the beginning of the summer this year i lost a very very dear friend a person who meant a lot to me and was a joy and a wonder to behold to his friends i called him Chamberwolf. There's a long and complicated story for why they call him that, but (laughs) since we do use a little bit of anonymity here, I'm sure that his spirit will know exactly who I'm talking about. But I would like to dedicate this show and its interest in those things on the other side of the veil and our own interest that the energies that are now there on that side are now on the other side of that question mark are happy and comfortable and are, at ease from anything that they might have felt or struggled with in this life. And so, Chamberwolf, I want to dedicate this show to you. I love you, man. I love you, Chamberwolf.
2: I love you, Wind. <laughs> I love you, too, Fox.
0: This is Marcus Leder, and you have been listening to The Shaman's Brew on Jackalope Media Network.